Jason, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain. Jason Hardraft, correct? Jason Hardraft, nailed it. Yes. Okay. I didn't want to. Didn't want to murder it. I know. People need to know, and this is my intro. I'm just going to let you know. You're Mr. Bulger. Mr. Bulger list. FKT, fastest known time emperor. Last but not least, the coolest and greatest teacher in Klamath County. Ooh, I mean, there are a lot of amazing teachers out there. So that that last one, I'm going to have to definitely shout out a lot of amazing teachers who <laughs> give their whole lives to, to do nothing other than serve their students. Uh, I don't mind if people want to, you know, talk me up for running around in the mountains, but I mean, <laughs> man, uh, there's a lot of amazing servant leaders in, in the Klamath School District that I've got to, I definitely have to give them their due for mm-hmm. sure. Right. But wherever you talk and we'll get there, the publicity tours, everything else, you always talk about your kids, your kids, your kids, your kids. And that's why I say it. A lot of people, you know, that are in this game, they don't talk too much about who inspire them. And these kids inspire you. I mean, it shows it. You can tell through your voice, your emotions, and everything else. So that's why I say what I said. So I'm not push, putting all the good ones to the side. I'm just saying, dude, you're, you you mean a lot, and these kids uh, look up to you. And the community itself, ultra climbing mountains community, they all look up to you too. So I just wanted to uh, pay it forward and let you know, man, you do a lot for the kids. You stand out, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, appre- I appreciate that. I, I I respect that. Thank you. Yes, it's it's, it's on purpose. Uh, yeah. I mean, when I first got into teaching, I I never just wanted it to be a role or a job. It's like the the adventure fuels the teaching, and the teaching fuels the adventure. It's like it's got to be the cycle of the two for me. Correct. Um, well said. Right. Yeah, you're, you're very philosophical, man. I was telling them, I'm like, dude, this guy's going to just blow our minds. So. You know, yeah. So, just let you know, I I warned them, like, man, this guy. <laughs> well, whenever, whenever, whenever you're ready for me to kick the training wheels off, I'll, I'll go full bullets. But I'll, right, I'll, let, I'll let you ask some questions first. <laughs> okay. So, so listening to a few podcasts, you could almost say you're a podcast host almost too, because you've been to, on so many podcasts. Correct. Yeah. I I think there's probably over 40 of them now yeah. <laughs> see what i'm saying so mr podcast yeah. people have been calling you king i uh i'm gonna call you emperor man just because emperor is a bigger region kings are just a sub city you know like climate falls i'm saying emperors from ben to climate falls you know that kind of thing so <sighs> you know i now, now that you explain your your uh, historical literacy behind uh, why why you choose that term, okay, all right, yeah. I, I see where you're coming from. And and when I think when I think of king, I think of king of the mountain. You don't play games. You're very very supportive of other guys, other people. Ashley, right now, and JMT, Nathan, who just finished the SPS, which is amazing feat. It's like holy crap, two hundred forty seven peaks. Right? Yeah, in, in 138 days. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely amazing. And so, here's the thing. It's like 
it wasn't just a game of speed what he did. And I, I can also wax eloquent on the amazingness of what Ashley's doing right now. But but Nathan didn't just take the easiest way. Right. He, he, he's a great skier, phenomenal skier. And so he chose to ski classic descent lines, like descent lines that Travis, another guy who's out doing the SPS list right now, went to start with Nathan because Travis is a good skier too. Yeah. And Travis is like, this is on another, like Travis had to like take his skis off and down climb this stuff that Nathan just hucked. Like Nathan just went and skied these classic descent lines during the winter. Then they worked together all through the summer, but instead of so, taking the easy routes up the mountains, then they soloed a lot of really classic rock climbing lines in the Sierra. Some of them even the 50 classics. Um, and it just like absolutely beautiful style. So sorry, I could go, I could go all no. day on the amazing. No, I'm, he he I'm does a, the split boarding. I, I hump up, I hump down, dude. I'm a big split boarder and I, dude, I got chills just hearing that. That's, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> like there's nothing better than climbing up and getting a free ride down. And most of the time it's just, you know, it's untracked, you know? And so not the king of the mountain because that's a game and everybody's out for themselves. You very welcoming. I mean, you just count downing uh, Nathan's feet with me to me and just, you know, just rock on rock star, that kind of thing. And when I think of king of the hill, I think of that show. So no more king for me. Okay. Okay. So enough of your intro, Jason. (laughs) Ever since you finished the Bulgers list, I, I believe you made it your own. I think it's the hard dress list. I mean, again, I have to I have to shout out the the history of all the climbers that came before. I believe I was the eighty seventh finisher, um, and I mean, what I did was only possible because I stood on the shoulders and the knowledge and the experiments and the exploration and the excellent writing and trip reports and knowledge of all the people that came before like without without the whole Bulgers community which is actually a really cool community they actually meet every year and have a a yearly dinner to celebrate the new finishers and and talk things through and meet and meet with each other it's like a real community around this group of mountains and without all of them and all of the knowledge of that collective body of people and being able to hop on phone calls with a bunch of them, Zoom calls to look over maps and talk about routes. Like there's no, there's no hard draft FKT of the Bulgers without first all of the people that came before. None of us succeed in a vacuum. It's always, right. always right. in process with the people who set the stage before us. And so I definitely have to acknowledge them. And it's like, was what I did really cool and an amazing fresh experiment in those incredible peaks yeah but i would have had nothing to stand on if it was just like oh yeah i'm gonna go try to first ascent 100 mountains non-stop with no knowledge yeah Yeah, Yeah. i don't even know if that would have you know there would have been no knowledge to enter my mind i love i love the fact that you say you stand on the shoulders of the people that have gone before you and like the knowledge that you've learned from them that that that's awesome i think that's a such a good thing to recognize another person i want to recognize man your girlfriend what's her name i'm going to shout her out man because if it wasn't for her i mean i don't think we'll be sitting here talking (laughs) ashley winchester she's a complete badass in her own right she's as we alluded to earlier out on the jmt which has been a huge passion project for her 
um, ever since she first backpacked it like four years ago. Nice. She's been wanting to go for the FKT on the southbound route. That's the way she originally backpacked it, which for women, solo, unsupported, meaning you carry everything from start to finish. You don't pick up any resupplies. You don't get any help from anybody. Um, solo woman, 223 miles. Yep. And the current record is six days, six hours. And she's trying to beat that. And right now she's on pace. And she was a huge part of this Bolger's effort for these hundred tallest peaks of the state of Washington. Uh, she hiked resupplies with multiple days of food in 20 miles sometimes on trails so that I could do a big, you know, 20, 30 mile link up of peaks and drop down. And instead of taking that same 20 miles out, yeah. I could yeah. meet her right there, resupply, sleep, have somebody to chat with about the, the woes and troubles and goods of the day. And then take off right from that point to continue on the ridge line for another five five more peaks before okay. exiting instead of having to do you know forty or twenty miles out and twenty miles back in. So yeah, could have you know a lot of people have like questioned this. They're like, yeah, you probably you you have the drive. You would have still finished it, but it's yeah. like, oh yeah, the record probably would have been about five six days slower, six five to six days slower without the the assistance. She gotcha. Uh, just because of oh. all of those extra doubled miles in and out of different places. Yeah, if if it wasn't for the gas, if it wasn't for the gas prices, I had planned to do self-supported around Lake Tahoe, do the Tahoe Rim Trail. So yeah, definitely. Hopefully next year when the gas prices are a little lower. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> so since you you finished last summer, you've been teaching, been doing a lot of podcasts climbing mountains, touring like you are right now. You're in San Francisco. Interviews, shows, and more interviews. I appreciate the time that you spent, man, here, right now. Just time that out of your busy day. I mean, you're in San Francisco about to do a show. Been busy. So I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with us. Now I just want you to know, let's get down to the fun and uh, the fun stuff. What what makes this podcast this podcast? <laughs> All right. So, and it's easy. Not, nothing bad. Nothing bad. A lot of people get stumped if they don't know. And then when they do know, they still get stumped. So how do you make your peanut butter jelly sandwich? Mm, great question. Um, <laughs> so probably the word make is an incorrect term. Um, because that would uh, cause one to think that I actually put things together. Um, How do you do then? I think consume is the better word, where each individual item gets shoveled into the mouth separately, and it gets made through the process of mastication. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Why, why would you do all this effort to, to like put the pieces together and then look at it when you could just like add them all to your mouth and save that whole step? Okay. I don't know. It's just an efficiency thing, I guess. Okay. So, <laughs> so bread or no bread? That depends. Sometimes. Okay. Depends on the day. Uh, croutons, croutons are a good substitute, too, if you want crunchy instead of uh, just normal bread. <laughs> okay. All right. So do you do you shovel a spoonful of peanut butter, spoonful of jelly? And just. I think, yeah, usually peanut butter first. Um, and usually yeah. in a slightly smaller amount, cause if you get too much in there, right. Then it's going to use the whole process is going to get messed up. Exactly. So usually a little bit of peanut butter, uh, depending on if it's a jelly that I particularly like either a lot of jelly or a little bit of jelly. And then a, a bite of, 
you know, maybe a, a pita bread or a, a okay. I tortilla or a, or a tortilla. whatever tortilla. bread happens tortilla. to be around. <laughs> oh, you didn't eat your... I brought him a cool peanut butter sandwich. With a banana, Nutella, peanut butter on a hot dog. Well, if we're going to play the game with bananas and Nutella, well, now we're not, we're not even, I mean, (laughs) Nutella, that just trumps everything. You just eat that right out of the jar. (laughs) There you go. There you go. There you go. One of my staples during the Bulgers was uh, whole packages of Oreos with each Oreo being covered in Nutella as I would eat it just to like, maximize calories yeah. and, and like <laughs> eat, eat whatever normal food and then wipe out a package of oreos covered in nutella okay <laughs> yep. an entire good. row of oreos will do wonders Heck yeah. yeah oh yeah <laughs> and, and that that was one of your uh biggest concerns the caloric intake right because you burn so many like we do burn so much when we're out there climbing mountains it doesn't seem like it people are like oh you're just hiking the mountains nothing bad i run ultras you know but it's just if you have a pack, I, I mean, it, 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 you do burn a lot. So I just, they don't know what they're talking about, but caloric intake was your concern, correct? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, the terrain in Washington is just, you know, for those that aren't there, it's just on a different level. It's like you might, someone might look at one of my days and be like, oh, he only covered 15 miles. It's like, yeah, but there was zero trail miles. That, that was keenish, yeah. keenest temperate rainforest bushwhacking, not open forest walking like you get other places in the country right. where some people call it bushwhacking. No, this yeah. is a temperate rainforest. You're really, you can't see 10 feet in front of you sometimes bushwhacking for hours to get to a glacier. So then you're climbing the snow and ice. Yeah. And then when you get off the glacier, you're rock climbing up rock. It's like a different level of movement. Um, for those 15 miles or 20 miles than what most people are thinking in their head. And it's like, then I would be doing on, on that type of train, I would be doing, you know, on a, on an easy day between 5,000 and 8,000 feet of earth. And then on, yep. on a more full day, sometimes up, up to 20,000 feet of earth in a day. It's like, yeah, it's a huge number of calories to lift your, your body weight up with, you know, single leg, leg presses exactly. um, all the way up and down that in a given day and then to repeat it the next day and repeat it the next day. So yeah, yeah. caloric intake was like a really big thing. And, and Ashley got really concerned during the opening weeks of the effort because she just saw me losing so much weight so fast. Yeah. Um, luckily when I got down to my fighting weight, right? Like my, my body kind of leveled off and my appetite went through the roof. Like I was a teenager again. And that's yeah. when I was like wiping out whole pizzas and, and uh, Oreos. The stomach didn't quite like it sometimes, the, the whole uh, eat like I'm a teenager again thing. It nearly got me a couple of times because um, I'm not a teenager anymore. But right. insane appetite after about the third week because I was down mm-hmm. to my fighting weight. I went from about 178 pounds when I started. And probably three weeks in, I was just barely, well, probably below 160. I was probably in the, the upper 150s. Uh, which is like my high school was my high school weight. Yeah. All while eating whatever you want. Yeah. 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 Try, try, the, try the Bulger's diet plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the diet. Okay. Bulger diet plan. Okay. I noticed. Sorry. Go for, no, go for it. I noticed in your, uh, in your pack, like not your pack, but when you guys are outside the van on your video, I noticed you had like a, a ton of Idahoan potatoes, the instant <laughs> potatoes. Yeah. Those things are bomb. <laughs> perfect backcountry food yep. perfect backcountry food for yep. sure favorite adam sandler movie 
favorite Adam Sandler movie? Ah, uh, ah, uh, this is easy for me. Um, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to go with Waterboy. Waterboy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in a football family. My dad grew up in Wisconsin, all about Green Bay Packers. And so okay. That movie came out while I was still a kid and still doing football and, you know, all that. And it was just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Underdog story. I've always sort of identified as an underdog, never been the, the top athlete. Um, so yeah, it, it, I loved it. Never been okay. Okay. Never been the top athlete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very humbling. That, uh, <laughs> we all right. I had it. I had to switch it up because I know you don't drink. But what's your go-to brew after a uh, after a FKT? Mm, um, I mean the athletic brewing hazy IPA, the um, free wave is definitely a go-to pretty often if it's hot though um i'll lean toward their golden or their their new light uh athletic light because yeah on a hot day you just don't quite want that much flavor um i i do on occasion though partake in alcohol um i have i have a, a friend who um he's a very successful programmer you know lucky to have friends that you know are more successful than me and he's very into nice scotch um, okay. you know, something I could never afford on a teacher's salary whatsoever. Yeah. Um, not a habit I could do on my own. So on, on rare occasion when he's pouring, I'll, uh, I'll partake of like a, a nice art bag or something like that. Okay. All right. Because it's normally, there's three questions. It's uh rogue or Deschutes brewery. Which one would you pick? So that's, uh, yeah. So, okay, I, now we got the question. No, he's not going to, he's not thinking. No. <laughs> Triathlon or climbing mountains? Why not both? <laughs> um, you guys have heard about the Yosemite picnic, right? Modeled after the Grand Teton picnic. Yes. Uh, it's, you start down at the foot of El Cap, you bike up to Tanaya Lake, an iconic, beautiful lake right there in the granite domes. You swim right smack dab through the middle of the length of it. Then you do what's called the uh, Tuolumne Triple, which is three rock climbing routes on three different peaks. Tanaya Peak, Mathis Crest, which is a mile of Razor Ridge. Like imagine climbing across the back of your couch hand over hand, except instead of on the back of your couch, you're a thousand feet in the air on either yeah. side. Like epic. Just beautiful on position. With amazing views. Yes, on granite. On granite, um, dude. That's granite world right there. And then you finish with the iconic, like if you were to draw a, a peak, you know, a perfect triangular granite rock peak that comes to a point cathedral peak is that peak um and it's just a beautiful solo just moving with beautiful flowy fifth class terrain um and then you run back down to the lake swim back to your bike and bike back down to the foot of el cap to finish um so yeah how, many months? how, about, how about let's go with both <laughs> it's an easy answer okay fkts or just out there for fun hmm I mean, I never want to knock the importance of just spending time in nature. Um, But I think, you know, this is a mistake a lot of people make. It's like, even when you're moving fast, like nobody complains about missing the views when they're doing four miles an hour in their car. Um, It's like, you're still out there enjoying it, soaking it in. Um, You know, I, I, I spend so much time, like when you think about doing these hundred peaks, even if I even if I kept myself to only five minutes on every summit, a five minutes times a hundred that I spent looking out at nature okay. um, during the course of the Boulders project, um, 
So to me, on a personal level, though, the way I'm wired, I have a much more maximum subjective experience, really technically. It's like it's a better feeling for me. Mm-hmm. And I have that sensation of bringing the absolute best of my own nature to whatever the challenge nature is has for me in a place. I got you. That's the maximum experience. And for some reason, a clock running amplifies that for me. Okay. For some people, I guess it doesn't. But for me, it's like that feeling of I need to bring my absolute best performance to this challenge just makes a phenomenal experience for me. Okay. I, I, I understand. Sierras or Cascades? Oof. Don't make me choose my favorite kid. I'm t- Come on. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, dude. I, I, I know how to do it. I know how to do it. Oh. Um, yeah, I can't. I, hmm. Mm, I can't do it. I mean, where do you spend most of your time at though? Mm, that's really close too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, that's a pretty close split, man. Um, dang. Sierra's or Cascades. Sierra's or Cascades. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I spent a lot of time in Sierra's. I'm going to say Sierra's, even though I live in the Cascades, I'm going to say Sierra's, man. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If you want, if you want an open, big views, big expanses uh, experience, the Sierras definitely have it, have the Cascades beat. But if you want the like full package, like, like I said, the, the lush, thick forest, the greenery, the, the amazing glaciers that aren't completely melted, um, and just incredibly steep terrain, unbelievably steep terrain. Uh, then the Cascades are something special. Okay. Who's tougher, you or your girlfriend? Mm. Mm. Definitely my girlfriend. <laughs> good answer. Good, good answer. I'm sure she'll listen to this and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, you saved yourself. <laughs> well, one of the things that, that sticks out, because I, I work with kids to uh, – at risk youth, uh, I'm a therapist and everything else. And one of the, the, you've mentioned aha moments. I have a lot of aha moments during work when working with these kids. Can you please explain or, or elaborate on these aha moments that you talk about? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, for, for, for clarity on, on what I mean is, um, an aha moment is those moments where you can just see a person's facial expression, their body language, like change where either a perception of themselves changes or a skill that they weren't able to perform. They're then able to perform it because you give them a minor tweak and adaptation. You know, I've like worked with young runners where I'll have them get down on the ground, do a few exercise movements and go feel that, feel that muscle flex. When you run, think about that. And yeah. then suddenly they shave, you know, a second off their 200 meter sprint. That's like, ah. Uh-huh. Ah, and they're like, whoa, um, like to me, I know that fundamentally like teaching for me is not the role or the position I have teaching for me is creating those experiences for people. And that's what, that's what brings me gratification and keeps me motivated in life. So any, anything I do in life where I can create that experience for someone, I know I'm going in line with my values. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that because as you're talking, I'm just like, same, same. Okay. Like I said, man, we got a lot in common. We got a lot in common. <laughs> same verbiage and everything. 
How many pairs of shoes did you go through during those 50 days? Awesome. Um, nine, <laughs> but n- nine is not the interesting part. The, the interesting part was the state of destruction that I pushed each pair to or had to intentionally mangle the shoes just to keep going. Cause, uh, some people have heard this story before, but I love telling it. Uh, my Achilles tendons flared up uh, during right. early on, like uh, within, it was probably in the second week. I was beat back in the Osceola group in pretty deep back country. And just like this, like the kind of pain where every time you step, it's so searing that you can't think about anything else. It's like every other thought in your brain pauses while you experience the pain and then comes back. Pauses right. and then comes back. And it's like, I'm pretty good at dealing with pain and discomfort, but it's like, okay, uh, 40 more days of every step feeling like this. Can I really do that? Um, plus beyond that, it was this wondering of like, Oh wait, is this a mechanical injury? Like, am I tearing my, I'm in my thirties now. Am I tearing my Achilles tendon loose from my heel bone? Cause it would be, this would be the sort of described pain from that sort of experience when you're doing it slowly and not acutely by taking like a jump shot when you shouldn't. Um, and so like in my mind, it's like, okay, if this is what's happening, it's game over. But then, you know, I had the thoroughness of thought in between those bouts of pain to go, okay, let's fiddle with my shoe a bit. And so I put the back of the shoe down, you know, in the same way when we're being lazy in the morning and we want to walk on the heels of our shoes, like they're slippers, just put the back down and walked on it. Pain was gone. I mean, not completely gone, but like, no longer overwhelming yeah and i'm like oh, okay it's just an impingement from the shoe that's causing this so i immediately cut v's just a big old v into the back of every pair of shoes so it would no longer touch the back of my achilles tendon I've and had just oh. basically climbed climbed this heinous you know fourth and fifth class terrain walked across glaciers with no back on my shoes for you know weeks before it yeah. started to get better um but yeah, uh, one particular pair when we were doing the Chilean group, I went in and they had a few tears in them because I was like trying to stretch these shoes to make them last the whole project because I only had so many. Um, and they had a few tears going in. And I'm like, yeah, they'll probably make it. They'll probably make it. it it'll be fine. It's like, you know, nine peaks we've got to do back here. Um, but they, they'll probably pull through. And uh, anyways, we started to call them the Adventure Sendals by the uh by the end of the the group the chalam group because the every side panel had blown out the toe panel had blown out basically you can see my foot from every side of the shoe plus then there's the big v cut in the back where you can see my heel hanging out um there was basically no panel of the shoe they were just hanging together by like a few tiny support pieces and threads um as we came out of there it was pretty funny the boat ride back out because you know some of these peaks are so hard to get to it's like oh you're gonna ride a boat 20 miles in before you even get off to start schwacking right. your way to the peak. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the degree to which I was stretching my gear. Um, and it still went through nine pairs. <laughs> I'll never forget the one time I was in Adams. I did Adams twice last year, but there, uh, one time, you know, shoes, you ruin shoes because the jagged rocks, you know, the rock fields, I mean, no matter what, you're going to cut through your shoe. Well, I was, going in the rock field and I didn't, I didn't fully step. I, I did a little laziness and a, just a lazy pull of the leg and a jagged rock went straight to my big toe, like between the nail and my big toe. And 
that made me stop for at least 10 minutes and put me on the ground, man. <laughs> that And uh, just you talking about that, it makes me just have a little uh, traumatic event right there <laughs> itself. So I understand what you're, what, what you're talking about. So man, nine pairs of shoes in 50 days. And now and cut fees in the back of each. Yeah. And I'm I, now I can tell my wife it's okay. I like, I, I like that you had a, an equipment failure and you figured out how to yeah. get through it. Like I'll have an equipment failure on any, like the other, I was up on the Mount hood two weeks ago and my, my binding, my toe binding popped out and I was like, ah, oh, shit, you know, like, I guess I'll just turn around and walk back down. Cause I can't snowboard without this binding. And I got to thinking, I'm like, I'm just going to pull out a key ring off my key ring. And I threaded it through my binding and I, I just, I made it work, you know, and that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's what's I think is cool about this story is you cut bees in the back <laughs> of your shoes to that keep hurts, going. Those are Some bad. people would have just said, Oh, my Achilles heel, you know, it, it's, it's it's done let's just you, you figured it out and that is why you are who you are yeah i think that's Do very you cool zip ties <laughs> zip ties yeah yeah in your pack are you sponsored by any shoe company Duct tape. No, um i mean not like formally i, I i'm using nordas now um Nordas. they're a canadian shoe company and the reason i was drawn to them is they do a full rubber bottom right because mm. one of my issues with with a lot of running shoes that have a little more cushion is they leave gaps in the rubber on the bottom. And I've, for example, a pair of Hoka's, you know, not to, not to rag on Hoka, but I've destroyed a pair of Hoka's within 13 miles of pulling them out of the box. And that's just like, like one that's expensive and two, that's really wasteful. Like yeah. I'm going to throw a whole shoe away 13 miles into an effort. And the thing that was frustrating to me is that was an effort that was 145 miles long. I wasn't even 10% of the way done and I had to find a different pair of shoes to use. Um, so they've got a full rubber bottom. And then the thing that's cool about them, cause we've talked a lot about blowing the uppers out is they use Dyneema, that really, uh, strong substance that everybody's bragging about now. And it's used in climbing harnesses and climbing ropes to make really light gear. Yeah. Um, and they use Dyneema in their upper. And so far, like I've used them, I haven't been able to put a damn nick in the upper, not, not a nick, wow. like the, the upper, like, you know, some of their coloring stuff will peel off, but yeah. As far as okay. like getting a hole, no holes. And That's I'm like, wow. okay, all right, all right, I'm impressed. Sketchiest climb ever. Oh, ever. Uh-huh. All mm. time. Mm. Um <laughs> sketchy sketchy because the climb itself is sketchy, or sketchy because I was a noob and I did things I shouldn't do. No, there's a huge difference. Yeah. Just like yeah. there's like, oh my god, you got your butt puckered and no matter if you're new or been in the game for a while and you're like, Oh my God, am I, am I seriously doing this? Like what, what's the sketchiest climb you ever had? Oh man. Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 I hear you. Well, let's, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell one story first here. That's just, a really interesting one that's a, a word of caution. No one should ever do this. Uh, so I rehearsed a route called Solar Slab, and the route itself is perfectly fine, especially if you're on a rope. It's a wonderful route, classic. Uh, one of the tallest five, six, easy, moderates you can do uh, in the country. 
But then when I went to solo it, there was this novice team on the main route, uh, like right in the middle. And I'm like, okay, I'll just go. I see a line over here. I'll just go off route and go around them because, you know, like one of them takes a whip, like they're going to knock me off and they're going to be fine. And I'm not. Yeah. Um, but I solo off in this direction that I've never gone before. And it just gets harder and harder. And I start to get to these problems. I have to stop and like, like think through each movement of as I'm like hanging there. It's like, I'm hanging there on my hands, you know, a limited amount of time you can do that. And I'm like, problem solving like hand there foot there nope wouldn't be able to reach the next hole hand there foot crosses over nope wouldn't be able to reach the hole hand there and it's like i'm hanging there and i'm hanging there it's like oh wait okay that solution goes and then you know quickly go pull through it and then get to the next resting hold and then it's like okay next section all right hand no all right hand there foot and so you know like 15 minutes of this like way out of my comfort zone you mess up and it's like you're gonna have trouble identifying your body um and it was just like this harrowing experience of okay like if you're gonna do these sorts of things you can't ever make a mistake like this again and so that one that one is as full-on as i've ever been on a personal level and i went and did like a research and it was like two grades three grades harder the route (laughs) i went over the one that i'd rehearsed um so way out of my normal limit for what i'd let myself solo but then uh as far as something that would make anybody pucker and somebody might waltz their way into it. Um, there's this, you know, I'm actually going to go with this one um, on Jack mountain. And there's actually a little cut scene of this in the, um, in the film Jack mountain, when it's melted off, it's like third, fourth class steep shoots, but everything is powdered with loose rock and dust and dirt. Okay. So every movement you make, the mountain is just, rumbling away from underneath you and you're just like you know you climb up up is kind of okay like you're pretty fucker but then going down it's like you're just like staring down this thing as you're like all right like just gonna just gonna keep going for chill right yeah like loose yeah chunks and bits yeah it's different because you've been to south sisters obviously right South sister that is loose lava rock but the shell i know what you're talking about yeah i've I've, I've watched that's a great segment though i am going to be talking about the movie now but the shell is almost more dangerous than the lava rocks because those things can cut you up like nothing so um will you ever have someone tackle an fkt with you like myself ben not me. <laughs> <laughs> As Not you can me. tell. She's like, That's take my like name me. off that list. <laughs> yeah. Ben, ben, ben and I, we normally yeah. do this kind of stuff. So that's why I was like, Ben or myself, yeah. what, would you ever consider uh, just a regular, not a regular guy? We're, 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 we're fit. We're, we do this stuff for a living. Would you ever have somebody other than Nathan with you and your girlfriend? Oh yeah, absolutely. I do stuff with new people. I mean, I'm, I'm intelligent enough and experienced enough to like, look at the metrics a little bit first. You know, it's like, you know, what is, what is a person's casual place pace for climbing a thousand vertical feet? What is a person's casual pace for descending a thousand vertical feet? What, what grade of terrain do they feel comfortable without a rope? What grade of terrain, you know, are they able to down climb competently? Like I'm going to check in on those things first. 
You know, yeah. um, it, you know, what's their maximum mileage that they've ever gone in a race? What's their maximum mileage they've gone outside of a race? Okay. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask some questions and do some research okay. and know some things about them first, because it's like, if we're horribly mismatched, whether they're way, way stronger than me or I'm way, way stronger than them, it's not gonna be an optimal experience for the both. Right. Okay. Close, and we're in agreement on what the rules are for our engagement. Then, yeah, we're gonna have a good time, and I'll absolutely do. Okay. Okay. What's next? FKT wise. What's next? Ah, the grand question. Um, actually I do have one that, uh, I was in the middle of staging some, some caches for known as Norman's 13. It's the 13, 14ers of the Sierra range. Um, and you connect them all on foot using the JMT and some off trail travel on Talus. Um, and it's going to be pretty, pretty epic. It's about a hundred miles long. Um, and it involves some fifth class terrain, some really classic fifth class climbing as you traverse the, the Palisade group between Sill and Thunderbolt and Thunderbolt's this really cool peak where, uh, the kind of accepted way to make it safe. Cause it's got these five, nine kind of slab crux moves, um, where it's almost like trying to hug a smooth refrigerator as you pull over the top. And so the kind of accepted way to protect that is you lasso the summit because it's a very pointy summit. Right. So you kind of go all, all old cowboy Western style and you like try to lasso nice. this thing in the wind. Um, and then you're able to protect your own climb by uh, tying knots in your rope as you go up it. So, sounds like you would say Sierra is, is a lot better than Cascades just by <laughs> just how uh, you're talking, <laughs> just how you're talking. You could, you could unleash me on the Bonanza Dark Traverse in the <laughs> Chilean group and I could, I could really wax eloquent on that beauty too, though. So. Gotcha. So, so our uh, uh, other host, Dwayne, just walked in. Dwayne, you want to show your face? Say hello, Dwayne. How's it going? He's, he's the What's voice. Up, hey, how you doing? He's the voice. So, the movie. He, I'm a huge movie fanatic, critic. I've been, I've, I've done a lot of. Uh, I, I watched a lot of movies prior to covid covid just ruined the whole you know enjoyment for me and everything else it just it's not that fun the quality and the, the lack thereof the movies you know it's just not the same if i want to see a movie at netflix on netflix it's b movies it's b's and c movies they're not that great you know so your movie is very well done like even with it being 30 minutes the cinematography the i mean is on point it's up there it even had you know sweaty palms just because of the angles when when you were on those razor edges you're just like oh my god because if you haven't been there you don't know what you're looking at you're just looking at rocks you know but hello like how did you get that footage like the, the 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 angles the story was 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 perfect a beautiful movie the only thing it missed for me i'm just gonna say this missed uh just me the length and the backstory of what made you go from triathlon to holy crap i'm just gonna do fkts now and just kick rear everything you do 30 minutes does not do what you did and do justice 
I, I don't think a lot of the listeners see, we, we got to boil some of this stuff down. I, I don't think a lot of people understand what you did and how you did it. I, I honestly, just by listening to you, do you, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not like talking down or anything. Do you understand you did a hundred peaks, anything, the Bulger list, anything over eight, 8,200 feet in 50 days in how many minutes and hours? Uh, 50 days, 23 hours, 47 minutes. <laughs> you, you could have had a, you could have had a series on each one of those loops where you connected the peaks. You could have had a series and I would have watched that as like a, just a binge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> 30 minutes on each series. So, and I say that because a lot of the people that listen to us, they're getting into it. They're getting into what we do and everything else. And uh, it, it, it's hard to imagine you just saying 100 peaks, 50 days. But you, you go to somebody that does it, what, weekend warriors even, you know, yeah. they're like, like holy what? crap, 100 peaks? In 50 days. I want to take 50 days off work <laughs> yeah. and, just, and, just, and just try. <laughs> That's what I want to do. It's just, it's just two mountains a day, right? Right. That's it. <laughs> yeah, right. And bees in the back of your shoes. Bees in the back yeah. of your shoe. Oh, yeah. A whole row of Oreos dipped yeah. in Nutella. Come yeah. on, man. Bushwhacking. But, yeah, no, I mean, to, to jump in, you're right. You're totally right. The, I mean, well, I'll rewind. What? Lauren and Aiden and Anna did to make an amazingly compelling film that's so thorough yep. as it is within 30 minutes is absolutely amazing. It blows my mind. Oh, it took yeah. me a while. Obviously, this was, you know, the, the 50 peaks, uh, or excuse me, the 100 peaks of the Bulgers in 50 days was just FKT number 100. I did Correct. 90 other FKTs over the course of four years of my life. Right. So it's like this is four years of my life plus 50 very intense days of my life, plus a lot of my backstory and some of the hows and whys all crammed into 30 minutes. When, when it's like me watching that, of course, the first time I watch it, I'm going to be like, oh, that didn't make the cut. Oh, that didn't make the cut. Oh, this story didn't make it. In. Oh, this cut scene of amazing climbing didn't make it in. Right. But right. every time I watched it, the only thing that happened was I gained a sharper and sharper appreciation of like, whoa, what they fit in 30 minutes is amazing now that exactly. being said, those accolades to the creative group being given it's one of the horrible crimes of it being a 30 minute film is that they say oh yeah he had a horrible car accident and was ejected from the vehicle and on to him setting fkts it's like it doesn't even name the injuries i have right, um, right. or had i should say um well maybe it's still fair to say have i don't wake up pain free every day or anything um, 30 minutes though 30 minutes and, and and you know we're out there and when I say we, I mean, Ben and I, we spent a lot of time out there. You, 30 minutes to a 12-hour day, 23-hour day is, is ludicrous. Um, and we have a lot of tales, correct? You see a lot of things. You do a lot of things. I mean, intake of food, you know, number one and number two in the woods, you, you know. Do that people... definitely didn't make the cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and 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 I just wish they they spent a little more time on your accidents and, like you said, what what uh, broken bones, what happened, and 
most of all your recovery. Because a lot of people... Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. A, A lot of people... A lot of people come to ultra running because they're always running from something. I know I run from something. Ben, I, I, I don't know if I've asked you. No, I, I, I have my reasons. Yeah, yeah. We all have our reasons. Yep. So I, I'm, I'm curious, how long was your recovery and what, what all occurred, first of all? Yeah, awesome. Great question. Great question. And yeah, this is, this is something that it always helps to have a, a live chat with me after the film or to be able to listen to one of these podcasts because you kind of get this inkling of it from the film. Like, Oh, that sounds bad. Ejected from a vehicle. Um, but yeah. Uh, broke nine ribs, collapsed a lung, broke my shoulder in two places and completely shredded the confetti, my ACL and LCL um, in my right knee and had to have it put back together. Um, so yeah. And then also just, internal contusions all throughout organs, you know, big bruises in my lungs and in other organs. Um, so yeah, I, I was beat up for bad. Uh, one of the first things the doctor says like, Oh yeah, if you were like a, in typical American shape, you probably would have suffocated on the side of the road. Like, Oh, okay. So my, my Ironman world championship fitness was a get out of death card. Um, you know, a little consoling, but also not that consoling. Um, when you're in pain and then the next thing a doctor says, when I bring up my, huge love uh for moving my body and taking on physical challenges and you know at the time running in triathlon um oh yeah you're gonna let that part of your life go just boom flat cold no pause just yeah you're you're gonna you're probably gonna let that part of your life go and then walk out to see his next patient um and i can remember in that moment like the sinking feeling like i'm laying there and i'm broken i'm hurting and I get this information like, yeah, that, that version of you, the only version of you you've ever known, this version of you you like, that guy's dead. Yeah. Um, and that sinking feeling that came with that, because that was like a version of myself I put so much time into. And that it wasn't like I was disappointed. I was very happy with the way I'd aligned my life and, and the way I'd lived my life. Um, and so there's this deep sinking feeling. But then luckily... Um, I had a streak of defiance growing up as a kid and, uh, that defiant personality kicked in and said, you don't, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm willing to do. You don't know how much, you know, this underdog, right? That that's, I think one of the great privileges of me having fought so hard to be an underdog in so many different sports teams and places. Like I got, I got onto a college team, um, where I would regularly have heartbeats, 30 beats per minute higher during repeats than every other guy on my, my team. Cause it was just like, Oh yeah. Who's, who's the one that's out of place here who shouldn't have made the team that right. guy hard draft. But I'd be like, doesn't matter coach. Let's go. Like I got myself here. I'll just suffer worse. Um, you're the Rudiger. Yeah. Oh, you're a Rudy. little bit of the Rudy story, right? A little bit yeah. of the Rudy story. Like, Rudy. okay, I'll just, I'll just hurt more. Um, and so I, that, that mentality, that mindset, like, no, 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 you don't know what I'm willing to do. You don't know how much I'm willing to reach into that bucket of pain and the pain cave um, to make progress, even tiny progress. And, you know, that was kind of the, the mindset I took with the recovery. It was one, it was this, there was this sense that it's like, okay, I need, I need to not live in my own shadow. Cause I'd done some stuff that to me was really cool. I'd run a, a 250 marathon, which is 630 mile pace for an entire marathon. I'd 
um, you know, qualified for a couple Ironman 70.3 world championships, which for me was a really big deal at my ability level to put together such a, such a perfect day for my body just pushed right to the limit to get myself into those world championships. Um, down to like every little thing in my transition zone, just being just so to shave a second off with how my helmet straps were laid and a second off with, you know, having the shoes done up this way instead of that way. Um, and there's this understanding. It's like, okay, I might not ever do that again. That might be gone, but I'm the agreement I had with myself. And I was just talking with a couple of, uh, a couple of teens at a running store um, cause they'd seen my film and, and they, they were asking some questions. And I said, the agreement I had in that moment with myself, and, and I think this is really important is I'm not going to stop until I get back to some version of what I love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key there. Cause you have, you have to have some sense of reality. Right. And I, I talked with them. It's like in high school, I thought I was going to break my high school record in the 1500. You could have given me an extra four years of high school. Like I could have been a super, super, super senior and I wouldn't have gotten that record. Like that just wasn't in the stars for me. But, but you, you take that in and a lot of people, when they realize like, oh yeah, like something's impossible. They, they give up altogether on the endeavor. Like, oh, I can't be the best. Guess I should quit. Like, no, no, no. Like there's a thousand different niches and expressions of passion out there. A thousand different ways to be creative and chase something big that has meaning to you. And so the agreement I had with myself in that moment is I'm not going to stop going all in until I'm back to doing some version of what I love. And I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of this idea of myself. To this day, I still refer to every record I set like personal record. I set prior to the car accident as my former life. I'll use the phrase, Oh, in my former life, I did such and such in a, in a triathlon in my former life, I ran a two fifty marathon. Um, and, and it keeps this clean division. And that was really important early on. It's less important now because I've done some pretty cool stuff um, since then. But in the moment, what I needed, right, because motivation is a delicate thing. And, and our self-concept can be an incredibly delicate thing. We think we're so tough and we think we're so amazing. Um, but in the moment, I needed to be focused and release in my mind instead of seeing the gap of from where I used to be to where I was. I needed to just be able to celebrate every little win with complete enthusiasm, right? Because that's where we get anywhere in the first place is belief in a process and celebrating every little bit of progress we see enthusiastically. That's how we arrive anywhere. And I'm lucky because my students get to teach this to me every year. Kindergartners come in, you hand them a basketball, they'll miss a thousand shots. You hand them a basketball again, guess what they want to do? Shoot the basketball. You, you don't hold on to these self-judgments and these self-limiting beliefs. You just get stoked and you go for it. And when you finally make the shot, you celebrate like wild. So I would celebrate my knee bending further than it ever did. I would celebrate walking further than I ever had. I would celebrate like, oh, look, I hobble jogged a mile for the first time ever. I would every little thing you could think of celebrating that, I you know, old me would have taken for granted became this celebration. And that was the process I had to fall in love with again. The ground zero. Yeah, beating yesterday. You were beating yesterday. You were beating yesterday. But to do that, I had to like release the former me, right? Like, okay, that guy, that guy, that what an epic. That that guy had an epic. Good for him. Now it's time for me to build something. Yep. Um, 
it's it's funny you say celebrate. I, and one of the questions I, I said, uh, I asked, did do you celebrate? Do you celebrate the small things? And it, it's funny how everything's tying together, man. And and I appreciate you being honest right there and, and upfront because it, it does matter if you if and when you celebrate, uh, whether it's big, but the smallest mean more. And it, that's that's awesome that you mentioned that. Thank you, thank you. Um, do you? The older we get, especially I'm, I'm 40, I don't, you're 32, 33, 33, 33, 33. We, we, we seen some things. We see people had a, tra- a traumatic event. They either go south or they learn from what, you know, what happened. And then they try to better, better themselves. Do you, did you ever question yourself? Because you said defiance, you said that you lived a defiant you were a defiant kid you could have been defiant and gone the other way as well correct did that ever cross your mind uh, i mean i think i again i'm gonna get all philosophical on you. i think we do not give human beings on any level enough credit i mean there's a reason we use the phrase put yourself together now usually we say it in the kind of derogatory you know, mean way, but I think there's a reason the phrase exists, right? Because it's not, we're not a computer. We're not already all built to, to work in a, in a mechanical way, in a, in, in a sensical way. We've got all these different drives and instincts pulling us uh, sometimes different directions. You know, all these different things we need to fulfill and satiate for ourselves. And to put that together in a way that you do a meaningful something instead of an apathetic nothing, like that's, actually a big deal that we don't we don't celebrate people enough for in my opinion even to just manage to manifest positive behavior on any level let alone like climbing 100 peaks or whatever like how meaningful is that really in the big scheme of life i don't know i think there's lessons that apply to life but i think it is something that's difficult and it is something that that needs to be celebrated this process of okay how can i deal with all these dark and light parts of myself in a way that's even handed and actually moves me towards something. Um, and you know, you brought this up, you brought this up earlier, like, Oh, are you running from something? And I think any really lasting motivational structure, you do have to have demons on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. I know one of my demons on my shoulder is I, I watched my dad become overweight and get to where he could hardly do much other than finish a day of work and then turn on the TV. And the, the man was amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. He kept a business running that should have died multiple times to provide for our family by his sweat and blood and probably tears when I couldn't see him. And, and that, that work ethic was amazing, but also I watched him like destroy his body in that process for the sake of work. And I went, you know, I can remember this one of the first divergent thoughts from admiring my own father that I had is I remember thinking, I don't want that. I don't want to be stressed out and I don't want to be overweight. And that's one of the demons that's on my shoulder. It's like when I start getting lazy, when I start letting, you know, letting down at all, it's like, ah, it's a quick path for, for a person with the genetics I have. Every person in my extended family is overweight or obese. It's a quick path. I'm not from elite athlete, skinny genes. Like uh, I, I, I can right. very quickly go the other way. That's um, where so I that come demon's from. on my shoulder. Yeah. That's right. That's where my why is. I don't want to be back where I was. I used to be overweight and um I just 
I just got back from a cruise and it was fun and all, but you put an ultra runner on a cruise and we, I promise you, you're going to go nuts. <laughs> I have no interest. I have no interest in a cruise. People have offered to even pay for me to go. And I'm like, Nope. Sounds yeah, like it's prison. fun, but I don't want to prison. Only, there's only so many miles you can do on the, on the running deck. Yeah. But yeah, on the, uh, and the other, I guess the other, you know, to get really personal with it. The other thing is, you know, I was this little kid that struggled deeply, right? I was ADHD. I damaged and destroyed relationships because of impulsive behaviors. Um, I was often the kid in trouble at school, missed assignments, always, always screwing stuff up, right? The kid that fucked it up, right? I don't know if that language is allowed here, but that, that sums it up, right? Yeah. And you, you live with a certain chip on your shoulder when you constantly see yourself do that, be the one who messes it up when you didn't really mean to. It wasn't like it was on purpose. It wasn't premeditated. It was like an idea entered my head and I acted on it. And after I acted on it, I went, whoa, that was a bad idea. Um, and that was like the soundtrack of my childhood was doing the thing first and then going, oh, man. And then sure enough, everybody hated me for it. Um, and so one of the deep drives that comes from that is, and, and I, it took me a long time to put this together, is one of the reasons I'm so driven to be so competent and so capable is that I don't ever want to be that person that constantly messes up and constantly needs help again. I want to be completely the opposite. I want to be the person that's so capable that while everyone else is falling apart around me, I have enough energy and capability and competence to then still help them even in a state of exhaustion. And so like, that's another demon on my shoulder. Right. Makes sense. Um, But on the front end, it's like, those are the negative, right? That's one half of the equation on the other end. In order to guide that energy, to have it go somewhere positive instead of just like eating us alive, you do have to have dreams. You have to have hopes. You have to have positive things you're moving toward, things that inspire you, things that compel you. Maybe it's a project. Maybe it's something at work. For me, it's chasing FKTs or it used to be chasing triathlon stuff, okay. pursuing these physical challenges that make me feel like I'm coming alive and give me some peace of mind. Um, and then also lifting others, as, as we've alluded to earlier in the show. I love the process of aiming high myself and then turning around and lifting others with what I've learned and with the relationships I've gained. And I think to some degree, like that's one of our highest callings in life as human beings is to, to aim to be the very best we're capable of being, to aim at the highest version of, of ourselves that we're capable of. Right. And that's an important part of the phrase that we're capable of. Like people could be like, well, Jason, why didn't you skip climbing mountains and just become a millionaire and give it to charity? Like probably because that wasn't possible for me. That's probably why I didn't do that. I probably would have failed or been absolutely miserable and so angry at my misery that I wouldn't have been given the money to anybody. (laughs) Um, But instead, I did this thing that was inspiring to me that turned, made my life come alive. And now I want to, in turn, have conversations like this and teach my kids and inspire people to be the best versions of themselves. And then that's where the fuel for lifting others comes from. And I think that's an important format, it's sort of like the, the hero's journey, if you will, right? Like in America, we focus a lot on the slaying of the dragon. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he's a hero because he slayed the dragon. No, 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 no. The full hero story is the hero goes out and slays the dragon. Why? Because the dragon is hoarding the gold and the village is in poverty. And the hero then brings the gold back and shares it with the village. That's the hero's tale. If you don't have that full circle bringing it back and giving, yeah then you don't have a hero story. And, and I think that we lose track of that. And so, you know, you'll hear these athletes talk about how it's difficult for them to reintegrate into 
society or to, to understand what their athletic accomplishment meant after they did it. And very yeah. often, I think it's because they don't have a context very immediately to have it give back in a meaningful way. And so it I does do. feel hollow. It's like, oh, I did this epic thing and it was so epic while I did it, but now what? Yeah. And I think I'm very lucky I have the context of being a teacher because there's always a now what. It's like the whole reason I did the adventure was to come back and tell the kids, hey, guess what? It's possible. I'm just some yeah. kid from yeah. some small town and I did this amazing thing. I'm nobody. And I, I did this thing. I and, like. And therefore, you, you should be able to as well. Yeah. I, I like the fact when you were explaining on one podcast that you do this and then you go to your 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 kids and they're like, I want to, I want to ask a question, you know, who has a question and, 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 you know, they're just jumping it for excitement just to have that first question answered, you know, and, and, and that stuff. I, when you explained that on one of the podcasts, I was like, dude, I totally understand. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an awesome feeling. There's no other feeling like it, man. You, you know, and, and I, and you're, you're, you're spitting the truth. You're talking, man. I, I really enjoy what you're putting out there, dude, right now. I appreciate it. Leah, you have a question. I have a question. So think back to the horrific accident. Have you, did you ever, have you ever thought, what if I took the time and put on my seatbelt and, ah. you know, and didn't like, you know, be ejected? Would you have ever found your way to the peaks? Like, would you still be doing Ironmans? Have you ever thought about that? Like that was... Well, I, I'll start off with this. Um, I think it's, again, philosophically, I think it's very dangerous to go back and pick apart, you know, past you. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a very dangerous habit where we can ruminate on things and lose ourselves, lose our momentum here and now by picking apart who we used to be. Uh, I mean, to this day, I have trouble remembering to put on my seatbelt. That's just how I'm wired. A lot of people are like, wow, that probably magically fixed you and you never forgot to put on your seatbelt again. Nope. The very next time I drove, I forgot to put on my seatbelt. Yeah. Um, like it's not magic. We don't live in magic, magic land. Um, you know, it almost gets me frustrated when people try to try to assume that everybody's wired the same and everybody's brain works exactly like theirs. Not right. true. Not how it works. Now that being said, and that premise being laid of like, I don't believe in picking myself apart in the past. And so I avoid it. Like when I catch the behavior, I go, no, no, no. What's the lesson I need to learn? So here's an example. Early in my mountaineering career, I had an equipment failure. And then I still tried a difficult traverse with a failing crampon. Uh, I was descending Mount Hood, something you guys know well. And instead of being picked up at Timberline after climbing from Timberline, my partner had to work the day at Meadows And so I needed to traverse around to Meadows after coming off the main peak. And I was lazy and tired, and I tried to traverse too early. I was still too high, the terrain was still too steep, and I had a cramp on that was failing. But I was young enough in my mountaineering career that I didn't understand the intense consequences of what I was about to do. And I only had one ice tool with one one ice axe with me, just a standard walking axe. So I go to walk out across this nearly bullet ice traverse above a cliff band. Right. Mm. Absolutely stupid move. But, you know, I'd been getting decent purchase the whole day on the more south facing part of the route. And so I'm like, well, it'll probably get good in a second. Cramp on fails, feet blow out. Luckily, I was trained enough in how to properly arrest that it instinctually boom, bang, boom, put the accent to this day. Like I can remember the ringing sound 
of the blade of the pick as it cut through the icy snow to arrest my fall. If I'd been a, even a second and a half slower, I would have gone off the cliff below. And I can remember that. And for a while, it just played over and over, right? Anytime we have a traumatic event, it's like on auto replay. It would just pop up and dominate my thinking. And I had to go, okay, what's the lesson here? Lesson is don't make idiotic moves with failing gear and, and then rely on split second skills execution to save your life. Like that is not the, that is not the ticket to success in this environment. That's the ticket to, to ending up in a hospital or dead. And, but even though I knew that was the lesson, like the really simple takeaway, like don't use this kind of equipment for this kind of traverse. My brain wouldn't stop playing it over. And so I had to go in there and every time it would pop up, I had to bleed some of the sound out of it and bleed the color out of it and make the, you know, sort of like Photoshop, right? Make yeah. the picture smaller and black and white and just simple. And it's like, yep, that's a lesson. Yep. That's a lesson. Yep. That's a lesson. Glad, glad we got that lesson and just bleed it and bleed it and bleed it until finally it became a manageable where I can now pull it off the shelf and talk about it with you. I got you. Um, it's, it's a size that I can now handle. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think we have to do the same with, with these sort of traumatic events is we have to understand that, you know, anything we can do, we say we create a computer to do Photoshop. It's like, well, that's because it's something a human brain can do on the inside. We're modeling it. We couldn't create it. If we couldn't do it in our own head. Um, but then all that being said, again, to get back on answering your question, um, I do think it was an important pivotal moment where I actually got to do what I consider cooler things. I might have never stopped doing triathlon. Now, would I ever wish that on myself, even past me or current me or any other person? Like, oh, yeah, you should have a traumatic event happen that nearly debilitates you so that you can discover something different that inspires some people. No, I would never wish that on somebody. but. When it happens, one of the things I understand about life is that we're never just playing the levels for ourselves. There's always somebody that can watch our roadmap, right? I, I use this as an illustration with my students all the time. It's like, which is faster? Playing a level you've never played before on a video game all by yourself and figuring it out or having someone in the room who's already played the level who can get, ah, don't go there. It's a waste of time. Yeah, over there's better. Uh, this is the quick way. Oh, this part's fun. Right. Um, and they're like, oh, it's way faster to have somebody who can help you. Like life is the same. Mm -hmm. And so anytime we navigate something well, we're not just navigating it for ourselves. We're navigating it for anyone who's in contact with us, who has a similar thing happen in their life. You know, if, if we cope with our problems by being like, uh, just go have five beers. Then the only advice we're going to have to offer to someone when they have a hardship in life is uh, have a beer. Or five. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> or unending beer. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think that's important. Okay. You got anything? Sound like you got something? Oh, question? No. Yeah. Do you have a question? I do. Go okay. for it. Um, so when you're when you're running around and you have all these footage of you, are you like Les Les Stroud? Do you know who that is? The survivor man? He carries oh, yeah, his own yeah, okay, camera. Okay. Are, do you do you do most of your footage yourself or do you just throw GoPros on you or what? So in, in all honesty, I when I went down this FKT road, it was a personal rite of passage. It was a personal journey, my own gauntlet. Uh, okay. There's really actually very little footage or photography other than what's necessary to ratify a record, which is mostly like a selfie that shows that I'm actually yeah. the one on the summit at the time I said I was on the summit. 
um, early on. It wasn't until later in the project that it's like, oh, other people actually really find meaning in this. And now they want to make a film of me that I kind of had to figure out like, okay, how, how do I do this? And then during the Bulgers project for this Journey to 100 film that we've been talking about, a lot of the footage I had their shot of myself or Nathan Longhurst, my climbing partner, shot of me um, on GoPro. And then on five of the days, to get a little into the behind the scenes, no, excuse me, four four of the days, uh, a full film crew came out to help capture like full cinema, cinema, cinemagraphic, cinema, yeah, cinema quality footage, big words. Not not very smart, I guess. Cinematography. Yeah. 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 There it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey man, it, 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 I trust me. Once you know a good cinematography or a cinematographer, it's spot on, dude. You, you yeah. that's oh, you fall in love with it, man. It's almost like you in the mountains or us in the mountains, and it's just like you're your own cinematographer. You know what I mean? So, um. He, I think it's the North Sister video that you have with the music and everything else. Do you, oh my gosh, you guys know about the North Sister video? That yeah. was like a one-off video that I like bothered to carry a GoPro once in my life. I'm like, oh, I'll just turn it on and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really early on. I was climbing with like 1980s ice axes that weighed a ton and a, a running vest that I'd like gotten used from a friend like I had no gear nothing like got to start somewhere right yeah super cheap crampons oh that was an epic send though I love that anyways keep going what are you gonna ask well no no it it just you got to start somewhere and uh, we wouldn't have known that there was crappy gear and everything else what what was uh interesting about that was dude the music the editing the everything else was spot on this guy he spends hours editing it's and, my it's kind of like my second hobby and that's why he asked you that question yeah yeah like i i always like when i watched your video i was i noticed the things like when they when they zoom in when they get a shot of your shoe just going across a rock or something like i noticed that kind of crap yeah and i don't know why i like doing this stuff but i appreciate like the video that was put together for you it's I, I just had to ask like if you carried your own stuff or you had runners following you because like that's the other part of this is eventually i'd like to start like chasing runners you know someday that'd be that'd be fun too and i have yeah. the skills to do that you, gotta have you know for a gun. right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so jason you got a couple more things man and and i really want to uh just have you put things in perspective. You're on FKT 99. You are working on your hundredth, but that entails a hundred peaks in 50 days. You had obstacles, not just one, not just two obstacles. You had a hundred plus obstacles. Okay. Looking back, you ever think or even consider seeing how many FKTs you had just doing those hundred peaks? I, uh, I mean, dang it, we better rebrand the whole film. Um, I did actually end up breaking a few different Ridge Traverse FKTs and uh, maybe an individual peak FKT. Um, yeah, there there were a few. So so yes, Journey to One Hundred, the the hundred tallest peaks, the Bulgers list was my symbolic hundredth, but because 
it wasn't my fault that some of the records were a little too slow along the way. It wasn't my literal hundred. <laughs> but to do one FKT oh, and that, a, a, that involves a hundred obstacles. I, I, dude, like you're on 99 <laughs> and you decide for my hundredth, I'm going to do a hundred in that hundred. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a school teacher, right? Like yeah. I look at this list and it's got, orienteering route finding it's got glacier travel it's got fifth class rock climbing everything i've done like anybody who studies my list they're not going to be like oh yeah he ran uh he jogged a casual 10k here on a flat trail and he did this there are a few flat ones like i did some rails to trails efforts because i knew they would be meaningful to other people i'm like this is not this is not my jam someone's going to smoke me here some college runner is going to smoke me but it's it needs to be added because it's like a classic route that has like seven covered bridges and it's historic for the state of Oregon. Um, and so I added it and then immediately got smoked. Um, but as far as I could tell, I had the fastest time when I did it. Cause mm -hmm. I like, I actually try to research it. You know, I don't want to have the fastest cause I didn't bother to do any research time. I want to actually have the fastest known time. Um, I even had over the course of my pursuit of a hundred, I think I had nine different FKTs taken down because somebody knew somebody who I didn't know that went faster previous to me. And instead of just leaving it up there, like some people do, I'm like, no, no, no. Take my name off the site for that one. Yeah. yeah. I don't want it to count toward my, my goal if it's not real. Um, but for the most part, you look at my list, it's like the kind of stuff where if you mess up, you're going to die. You're on a glacier, oh, you're yeah. on yeah. climbing, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're in a canyon. I wasn't even a canyoneer prior to pursuing FKTs, but this was part of the cool evolution I had to go through as an athlete. I discovered canyoneering and like I learned it enough to go, oh, some of these semi-technical slot canyons would be absolutely epic obstacle course runs through nature where you're just like stepping off walls here and there, pivoting this way, twisting and exhaling and squeezing through this hole, like just epic run throughs. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm into this now. Um, so yeah, it's like, to me, that's, that's what my list focused on, which means, you know, the teacher in me is like, what's a perfect final examination? Something that brings every skill you've ever used to bear and makes you do it in a bigger way than you've ever had to do it before. <laughs> okay. So overall, in the, the Bulgers list, how many FKTs did you uh, complete? Uh, as of now? Yes. Uh, when the one I just did a couple weeks ago gets finalized, I'll be at 113. Ah. That, all right. That, that's in a feat of its own, man. I just, I applaud you, dude. I, I really do. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying 99 FKT. I'm going to do a hundred for my hundredth. I'm going to do a hundred mountains. Well, I mean. You wouldn't want anybody to just like say that you took the easy way, right? right, right. <laughs> I, I, I get that too, but I, I just want you to know, man, you're a rock star, okay? If you didn't know that already. Well, would your former person appreciate you now? I think eight-year-old me would be really fucking stoked with who 33-year-old me is. Nice. There you yeah. go. There you okay. go. That's an appropriate place for an F-bomb. Yeah, yes. yeah, dude. Yeah. And don't even worry. Don't even yeah. worry. There's this one guy. We had one explicit vid, uh, the whole thing. episode, yeah. every yeah. sentence, F, F, F. So I'm like, dang it. So two F-bombs in one episode is great, man. No worries. No worries. 
the Yosemite story. You said you had a story. Can you tell me the Yosemite story, please? The this most recent trip to, to Yosemite. Yeah, you said you had a story, and you had and, and, uh, and have a good laugh. Oh, oh yeah, because we both have done Half Dome. We both have done Half Dome, except except I didn't go up the cable. I went up what's referred to as snake dike on the other side where you're climbing these sort of rounded knobs and this slab uh, all the way to the top. And it's a, it's bolted in the old fashioned way, which means really, really run out. And when I mean really, really run out, you've like, it feels like you've been climbing for, you know, years yeah. and you're like, huh, shouldn't have there been a bolt? And then you look above you and it's like the bolt is still another 30 feet away. And you're like, okay, so if I fell right now, I would meat grind, not just the full distance I climbed, but the full distance <laughs> below my partner of the rope that's out before I stopped. Um, so it's this epic, epic fun, like it's pretty easy, moderate, not crazy hard climbing, but very real, very exposed. Yeah. Wow. And the fun part is you come up from that side and it's almost like you're some kind of like hero when the people who came up the cable see you, they're like, whoa. Um, so it's kind of fun. You come up and then, uh, I brought gloves up that day because I, I had actually been up the cable the other day. And you mentioned having sort of a harrowing experience where it's like, oh, man, if you slip, you die. And it's like, that's true. People have died on the cable route. Exactly. Sure. But there were still a lot of people coming up the cable. And I brought these gloves because I knew I knew what was going to happen. I knew I was going to step outside of the cables on one side or the other where people weren't because they have those boards across. Exactly. So feel a little safer as they climb. I was like, okay. I'm going to step outside of that onto the open slab and I'm just going to grip the cable really hard as like kind of a handbrake. And I'm just going to run down the smooth slab next to the cable so that I don't have to like go around each individual person who's trying yeah. to you know make their way up. And so I just hop on on the outside of the cable and people are kind of like wide eyed looking at me as they're already scared. And I just, and by the I'm time I got to the bottom, by the time I got to the bottom, those gloves were just, destroyed it was like well that was a one and done deal those are going to go in the garbage can when i get home yeah. um, <laughs> dude but oh was, my god it was an epic. <laughs> that's it's granite number one it's slippery surface and number two a lot of the the places uh on, on that uh you know just going up or down at 30 35 45 55 percent grade on that man <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Whew, okay. All right, man. All right, dang. Hey, All people, right. people pay to go on roller coasters, right? Ah, yeah, true. Yeah, but that's safe. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it? A lot safer than what you just did. Yeah, yeah. I would say you're, you're oh, yeah. strapped in. So, so one thing that I've mentioned, I love movies. One of the things that uh, you and Alex Honnold have. Uh, in, in common in the movie is that after he was done immediately, what are you going to do? He didn't celebrate. He did hangboarding for hours afterwards, right? You, you finished and you're continuing your journey as well. What makes someone not take, you know, uh, take a break? What makes someone not to take a break after you've done such a huge, you know, adventure? <laughs> well, I always like to say, you you know that you're properly aligned in life if 
the way you celebrate the thing is by doing more of the thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I allude to this at the end of the film. Um, I don't want to steal my own thunder, but I, I drop a phrase that relates back to the kind of little kid I was. Um, and I think that captures the heart of it too. Okay. And I think people will just have to go tune into the film if they, they want to hear what's at the, at the heart and the core of why I would take on a, a project like this and still be stoked at the end of it. So, so before we go, you have anything? No, I'm good. No? Yeah. You have anything? I'm good. Yeah? So, so one of the things that I want to do, man, is I, I'm going to shout you out because of how, I mean, dude, you're an awesome athlete. You're one hell of an athlete. Uh, the fact that um, this fame or what you have done hasn't put you, I mean, you're very humble for what you have done. You're a huge fanboy of your 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 girlfriend. Hopefully, soon to be one. I don't know. I don't want to put that out there. <laughs> I mumbled that so she didn't she didn't hear it. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Ashley. Yeah, <laughs> but the 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 fact that you were sharing to me a total stranger, kind of I would I'm not so much, but you sharing what they just accomplished to me. I'm just like, dude, this is awesome. This guy, like, trust me. This guy is like letting me live this accomplishment with you guys. I just want to say thank you, dude, because it just blew me away that you were just so welcoming and you're a fanboy to Nathan. Nathan, you made me a fanboy to Nathan because being on 247 peaks in 138 days, 14 hours, one minute. That's that. That's crazy. And he's young, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 you said something. I I didn't I didn't write it down, but you said something. We got to stick together, right? Something stick together. You said something, and I think I'm going to put that in the description. And and man, I, I appreciate what you did. I thank you. So we're done, but I want to tell you something, if that's okay. Something that people do get a kick out of. Go right ahead. Jason, you are not only a great runner, climber, athlete, you're a great role model for kids you work with and for. Heck, you are also a role model for us old guys, me, him too, (laughs) for us old guys who've been doing it for years. I am absolutely thrilled that Klamath Klamath County kids have someone like you to look up to. You, sir, are an emperor on the mountains running community, but you are the emperor of your own world and touch more people than you think believe and can imagine. Thank you for your time and know you are forever. You forever have a fanboy or an old man fanboy like myself. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. And an absolute honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to let me tell some stories and, uh, hopefully get some inspiration out there for some people to make it through some tough spots in life. This is, this has been really fun. Cool. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank Thank you for the time. I mean, you got, you got like 45 minutes until. (laughs) Gotta go do one thing. Yeah.